Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to, to look at your word and see what you'd have us to learn from it. And we just thank you for your leadership and guidance as we, as we study this and ask your Holy Spirit just to give us knowledge. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 69. <clears throat> and it is a longer psalm, but we're going to go ahead and read it again anyway. To the chief musician upon the Soshan Nim, a psalm of David, Save me, O God, for the waters are coming into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait on my God. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies, wrongfully are mighty And when I, when I restored that which I took away took not away. O oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hid from you. Let them, let not them that wait on you, O oh Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek you be confounded for my sake, O oh God of Israel. Because of, of your sake I have borne reproach. Shame covers my face. I am become a stranger unto my brothers and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach you are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also a gar my garment and became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was a song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto you, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercies, hear me, in the truth of, and the truth in the truth of my of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for my for your loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of, the, of your tender mercies, and hide not your face from your servant. For I am in, in trouble, hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You have known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My, in, my adversaries are all before you. Reproach hath broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. I look for some to take pity, but, the, but there was none from, for the comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gold for my meat and my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake. Pour out your indignations upon them, and let your, your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him who you have smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written in the right, with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that has horns and hoofs. The humble shall see and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. 
For the Lord hears the poor and despises not his prisoners. Let the heavens and earth praise him and the seas, everything that moves therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah that he may dwell there and take and have it in possession. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it and they that love his name shall dwell therein. All right, there's a lot of Messianic references in this psalm as we're going to, as we come across and we'll talk about them. But David starts out in this psalm, Save me, O God, for the waters are come unto my soul. And this is liberate, deliver me, God. And the waters here are a reflection of affliction. Okay, he's being overwhelmed by floods. And you know this is really saying where he's at. He is, he is in a very low spot. And it seems like everything's getting him emotionally. And David was quite a character. He was a very strong man physically. He was a mighty warrior. But his emotions went up and down to great heights and great lows. He was not a level, level uh, emotionally. He, he had great heights, and I mean great heights. You read, you read him really praising God, and everything is all perfect and, and good. And he had really low lows, where he took everything that was going on and even added to it. And we have lots of people who do that. Their highs are really high. Everything, you know, when things are going good, everything is going good and, and nothing bad and everybody loves them. And then the next moment, they've crashed down into the, the lowest of lows. Everybody hates them. There's nobody that loves them and they're totally depressed. And David is that kind of really high and really low. And we all know people in that that are like that. And we also know people that are pretty even. But he's bipolar. It might, might very well be. Bipolar. I don't like really putting names on it because then it gives people excuses to say, this is who I am, I can't do anything about it. Uh, and I have problems with all of that psychological uh, naming of things because then people go, well, this is just who I am. Don't try to change me. Don't tell me I need to change because this is who I am. And God is saying, no, depend on me. Have, you know, put your faith and trust in me. And there's another side to that coin too. This is who I am. Now, I'm on an uncomfortable high, so I need to say to myself. I'm on an uncomfortable low, I need to say to myself until I mellow out. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then you pull away from everybody. And if you never hit that medium ground, then you're never around anybody. You're never, but, but this is something that we've got to be careful. <laughs> we've got to be careful about this because God says a lot more about us that we can be stable and we can change our mental status. And we're seeing science try to do this all over the place. You know, you are a kleptomaniac. You steal and you just can't help it. So don't judge me because I'm stealing from you. I'll, I might give it back to you when I feel, you know, get over it. But, you know, I'm just who I am. I'm a pathological liar. It's, you know, my, my, my life is that, you know, that I've got to do this. Don't, don't judge me because I lie because that's just who I am, you know, emotionally and psychologically. Uh, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to sex. Don't you know? Don't judge me because I'm, unfaithful. you know, unfaithful to my wife and girlfriends, or have nine girlfriends and you know, in, in one day or whatever. You know, don't judge me because I am just addicted to this. You know, don't judge me because I'm an alcoholic because I have got the the the, the sociological, physiological aspect that I'm a drunk and you can't judge me because that's, and God and we see this in everything that God says is a sin, we're seeing science try to tell us, oh, it's just a psychological ailment. 
And this is a bad place to get into. And we see this, you said bipolar. Are, is there maybe some real thing called bipolar? Maybe, maybe. And I want to say maybe because I'm not sure about anything that's psych psychological. But God says, let me take the mind of Christ. Take the mind of Christ and change who we are. And it's critical that we do. And I'm not going to say that there's not these things out there, but I'm bothered by a lot of it. You know, people with multiple personalities and say, just accept them. <laughs> you know, you don't know who you're talking to at the time you're talking to them, but just accept, you know, that. accept that that's who they are and, and deal with it. I'm going, get the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. Get the mind of Christ. Change. God has the power to change any psychological area. And there's people who get mad at me when I say that, and I'm going to accept that they're going to get mad at me because they, they don't like that statement. But God says, have this mind in you that, it, that it has, and it's the mind of Christ. At least try. Work on it. Well, yet. let him try. Let him do it. Right. And be, be who he is. Be who he says we are. Be in Christ. Be a new, new creation. I, I could have, when I got saved, you know, said, well, I'm just an angry angry person, get used to the fact that I'm going to try to beat you up and, and be mad at you every moment. And because that's what I was. You know, I was that way and I was very mean. I was very, you know, somebody looked at me wrong and I would hit them. That was just looking at me. It's a good thing I was only 10 years old. But I beat up anybody that was six, seven years older than me because I was not afraid of them and I had a bad temper. And God took that away. He lifted it away and said, huh? Nothing. But, laughing at me. Because I didn't know you back then. <laughs> you didn't know me back then. Nobody wanted to know me back then. Uh, but this is the way God is. He says, I can change who you are in the flesh because he has the power. And we limit him so much sometimes and say, well, God, I'm just, this is what science says I am. This is what I am. You can't change me either. And we act on, act on who this science and the world tells us we are. And say, God, I'm just not surrendering because this is who I am. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And, and, and David, David flew from both directions. And you see it even in his Psalms. He starts off really, really low. And by the time he gets in, he's, he's really, really high. You know, so he used music in his psalms to bring himself out of his depression into, into joy. And we, we need to find what it is that will do this for us. And I've shared with you, sometimes when I was in the restaurant industry especially, all the pressure would come on me and I'd feel just totally overwhelmed by the floodwaters coming in, you know, you know ready to just explode, and I would try to find a reason. The best thing was to take the trash out because that gave me about five to ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And I would just sing some choruses and sing some Bible song, you know, song to myself and, and go, okay, thank you, God, and, and come in with a totally different mindset. We need to do this. And song is a good way to do that for those who like songs. You know, you just sing, sing a little song, you know, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yeah, you know, uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Whatever song you really like, you, you find out, God, I just need to sing this for you, and I just need to change my mindset. It might just be getting into the Word of God. It might be listening to a, to a sermon from a pastor. It might be listening to Christian music. Whatever it is, find what it is that will draw you out of wherever you're at 
into his presence. I did this to Annie a couple weeks ago. She was saying she was having trouble. I'm going, are you listening to your Christian radio? And she told me, thank you, because <laughs> she hadn't been. Okay. And usually this is exactly what happens. The, the further we get from God, doesn't mean we're not going to church, but the further we drift away from God, the more pressure we have. Our mind isn't focused on him. The more we focus our mind on him, the more he will cleanse our mind and change it. And this is what David does in all these Psalms. He focuses his mind on God. And so we look at this in verse 2. It says, I sink deep in mire where there is no standing. I come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. So he's talking about flood water, not being able to stand. The waters are deep. He has no ground to stand on. He has lost his focus on God. There's no solid ground beneath him. And this is pretty, this is pretty deep on here. He's in deep mire. He's in no standing. The floodwaters are overflowing him. He's in a bad place right here. And it doesn't tell us where he's at at this point. We don't know why he wrote this particular psalm and whether he was being chased by Absalom or being chased you know, by Saul or what it is. We just know he's in a bad place. And David, of all people, would have had some times where he had some rough times. Mm-hmm. Now, to be chased out of your castle by your own son claiming your kingship and wanting to kill you would be a pretty bad place to be in. And he ran from Absalom. And he ran from Saul. He had many times where he was just being chased and his life was on tender hooks at all times. And here he is saying, you know, hey, there's no firm ground. I'm, I'm, I'm being overwhelmed. He says, I am weary from my crying out. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. So in here, I've been crying out, praying, you know, crying to God. He says, my throat is dry. And that's quite a bit of talking to dry your throat out. And he says, while I wait for my God, and this is kind of an interesting statement, you know, when he was in his deep place, was he truly waiting on God? Not usually when he started. He was just depressed. We've all been there at some point in our life where it just seems that God's not hearing us. We feel like when we're praying, it's going to the ceiling and bouncing back down. Uh, we're having pressure and we're being attacked by everybody. That is the time when it is so easy to say, God, you've just given up on me, I give up. And then we don't come to church, we don't read our Bible, we don't listen to the music. And he will not let people attack us without repentance. They need to repent. You know, if, if you're doing what you're being accused of, quit doing it and go to God and confess and, and admit it. If you're not, then that per- and if you're not, then, you, then God will go after the accuser. All of this comes down to, as the church moves forward with God, attacks are going to happen to try to draw people away. Always, it always happens. Temptations will come to try to draw people away and get them to fall. And then when they fall, then there's that condemnation that comes along and says, stay away. Because Satan will come along and go whisper in your, hey, you know what, if if, if they know what I know about you and what you've done, they're not going to love you. (laughs) They're not going to like you. And then they go, well, you know what, you're right. I better stay away because I don't want them to. And God is saying come back, confess your sin to, to me and share it with one, one or two people that you can trust and get it into the open and get, get past it. But too many times people will just totally pull away from the church and it's sad. And I've watched it in 44 years, I've watched it over and over and over again. They fall, somebody says something about them, they, somebody is mean to them and the next thing you know you don't see that person in church. 
and it's a very sad place to be and Satan uses it a lot. But it is, I mean, and literally sometimes they, it is just excuses and, they, and there may be a, a smidgen of truth in each in it and, and sometimes even a little more, but it's still an excuse. And that's what I would tell, you know, employees who said, why didn't you get this done? And they give me this long list of excuses and I go, what about after all of that? God is our defense. When people lie against us, God is our defense. I really want people to understand, I'm not just saying these things because the Bible says it, I live it. You know, when I, when I was told somebody was talking about me in town, it's, it's like, okay, God is my defense. He is going to deal with them. I'm not worried about it because God is who I want to walk with. I'm not going to, oh my goodness, somebody, you know, what are they, what are they saying? Why are they saying it? It doesn't matter because Satan always wants to stop what's going on for God. And the stronger this church moves forward, we're doing these shoe boxes. If we, these shoe boxes may, they may, may be able to save some children. We're reaching almost a thousand people on the, on the internet listening to messages. Now, what is this church doing? A lot. <laughs> a lot that this church is doing. And Satan's not going to take that sitting down. When we step forward to serve God, he is not going to say, oh, well, I just lost that person. No, he's going to go and fight all the harder. And this is where we've talked about it many times. If you're just somebody, you know, his first goal, of course, is not to let you get saved. Mm -hmm. now, he's going to keep you away from anybody who is going to give you the gospel. Once he loses you, if all you want to do is go to church and sit on, the, sit on, a, on a pew and not do anything, go to a dead church and just kind of, you know, here's a little bit of words, you know, here's a, here's a scripture and a little homily and, you know, nice little things. He's not going to care. Get into a church where you're being challenged to do something for God and you're getting into the word and you're growing in Christ. And all of a sudden you're going to have attacks. There will be a demon assigned to you. And then the more you start moving forward for God, he says, okay, this demon didn't do its job. Let's give you a level two demon. Now, and I don't want to get us all into demons and everything, but it really is what happens. The more I do for God, the stronger the attack is going to be on me. It is very true. When we are under attack, it is not a time to pull away from the church. It's time to pull closer to God. It's time to get deeper into the Word. It's time to get deeper into singing and praises and, and say, God, I need your help. I want, I want you to deliver. But it is going to be true. The more you do for God, the more you're going to be attacked. And it, it always is, always will be. There'll be those peaceful times when everything seems to be okay because God's in control. But you're going to be like David. You start doing things for God and all of a sudden, all hell breaks out against you and says, here's your challenge. What are you going to do? Verse 4. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. They, then I restored that which I took not away. And so here we are. David, David is going into this whole thing of, and this is very much, they that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. And, and this is basically a messianic, messianic statement as well. Jesus was hated by many without cause. Okay, John 15, 25, for a reference, one, where, one of many references. But Jesus was hated. And you're talking about somebody who definitely didn't deserve to be hated, who showed nothing but love and kindness and wanted to die for the sins of the world, and yet he was hated by the ones who were considered righteous 
and good and spiritual leaders. But here you've got, you know, that, that it says, they that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. You know, that, you know if you're bald, you can say that and you know, not much problem, but, but this is how low he is, you know, that, that, that he's hated. And you think about this with Jesus, and as, as my point I was getting ready to make, Jesus was hated by the religious crowd. He was loved by the people pretty much, but he was hated by the religious people because he challenged what they believed. And a lot of times we as Christians will get more attacks from within the church and the Christian world than we will from outside the, the church. Sometimes it's because of jealousy. Sometimes it's because we're teaching things that, that just challenge what they believe. There's all kinds of reasons for that attack. And sometimes it's just Satan using them to try to stop us from going forward. And the more you grow, the more people will look at you and maybe judge you because usually it's from jealousy that they're not growing. Usually, not always, but a lot of times is, well, how can they keep growing? I, I, I may have been a Christian longer. <laughs> you know, and I got, stuck, I got stuck in the mud and haven't grown and I'm watching this other person that's this upstart growing. <laughs> And they attack because they're, they're frustrated that they got stuck in wherever they were at. And when we withstand that and we just let God be our defense, then we keep growing and, and hopefully that that... And the key on all of this is when you're being attacked, pray for the individual attacking you. You know, because God says, love those who hate you, you know, do good to those who despitefully use you. And, that, and believe me, that's not the easiest thing to do in the world. When you're being attacked, the last thing your flesh wants to do is bless that person. You know, be kind to them. You know, your flesh says, I'm going to get back at them. I'm going, to, I'm going to take them down just like they tried to do me. And God says, let me be your defense and just, just pray for them. And maybe they'll, get, maybe they'll come back and, and, and repent and get, get clean, you know, straightened out. And if not, God will deal with them. And unfortunately, I never want to see, be, be seeing somebody be hurt even though they deserve it. And if you can take pleasure in somebody being hurt because even though they deserve it, then, then you've got a problem. You know, I was talking with somebody recently who said, I just can't wait till this person gets their, their, gets, their, gets what they deserve. I'm going, no, that's not a scriptural point of view. But we don't even deserve that. That's a gift to us. We don't deserve it. Everything we deserve is hell and punishment. And so we need to understand that when we're looking at somebody getting punished for what they've done is, Please, God, temper it. Show mercy. Because we deserve punishment. We really, no matter how good we may or may, you know, may think we are or not think we are, we, we deserve punishment. We don't deserve anything good. And that's why I tell everybody, when I hear people say, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? I'm going, you've got the wrong question. Why does anything good happen to all of us bad people? And, you know, I, I really do... In most journals, when people come against me, I'm going, okay, God, I'm getting what I deserve. Maybe not for what they say at this point, but I've done enough bad you know, that I deserve anything that comes my way. And we've got to understand that. We've got to under we may not deserve what they are doing right that moment, but we've done enough things that we got away with <laughs> or think we got away with that we deserve anything that comes our way. But, you know, and this is just where we want to be careful that we honor God and we just 
relax in God. He's our defense. He's our tower. He's our strong tower. Run into him and say, God, help me. I, 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 need, your, I need your defense. Yes. I need that defense. And we all, we all know it. We all need his defense whether we know it or not. Because I can guarantee whether somebody's coming out openly against you or behind your back, if you're moving forward, God, somebody is attacking you. Somebody somewhere is attacking you. And you may or may not know about it, so you just say, God, I need your, I need your protection. I need your help. Because we're not going to be successful without him anyway. I, I cannot do anything. I cannot even teach the word of God correctly without him being the key to teach it. Okay. If I try teaching it, I might do some good for some people, but it's very small. But when I let him help me teach, people will grow. And it's not me doing it. It's him doing it through me. And we all need to take that movement forward with him. And we all need to learn to pray more and, and pray more for our enemies and, and those who are, 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 are trying to hurt us. And, and we just say, God... I put them in your hands. Bring them to repentance so that they can grow. Bring them to repentance so they can grow. And we need to learn that prayer. I pray for chloride as a whole, and I pray for just about anybody that I know personally at, at, you know, throughout the week. God, this person needs you. This person needs you. This person needs you. I may not pray for all the people that I know all the time, but every once in a while, somebody will come to my mind, I'm going... God, this person really needs you to get hold of their life. This person needs your strength to continue to go, for, go forward. Because he is our only hope. He really is our only hope for, for growth. And when we minister to people, the more we minister, the more Satan is going to come against us. And the more he's going to use other Christians. And sometimes the Christian may even think that they're doing God's will by saying something. You know, I'm just going to say this because they need to hear this. But just as I said this morning, if it's not in love, don't say anything. You may be right. You may, you may be right. But if you're not saying it in love, it's not going to do anything. It's going to condemn. It may drive them out of the church. And we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. And this is why God's grace is so important. Therefore, the grace of God go I. I mean... I could be do, doing any number of sins if it wasn't for God's grace keeping me out of them. And we want to be careful, and I've said this over and over, wherever we think we're strong, God will show us that we will fall in that area. Because we're not strong enough to, to take a whole onslaught from the, from the enemy. And God will say, okay, I'm going to get, take my grace off and now watch you fall in that area. And so very important for us to be careful of that. Verse 5, for, oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hid from you. This is what I was just saying. God knows, I love this word, foolishness and my sins. How often are we foolish before God? You know, say something that we shouldn't say, do something we shouldn't do, maybe say something just a little harsher than it meant to be needed to be said, or, or even just say something really jesting and foolish. God says that we will give an account for every idle word we speak. And God says, be careful of the idle, idle conversations and the off-color comments you might make, you know, that, that, are, you know, that are just 
no need to be, be made. Uh, the little comments that, that bring in negativity into a conversation that, and it's like, why? Why do this? Why are you, why are you that direction? But we are fleshly beings. We tend to be negative. We tend to be saying the wrong thing. So we've got to keep a watch on our mouth and, and staying firm in God so that we can be protected from those things. Because out of the abundance of our heart, we will speak. And so we want to be careful. What are we saying? We need, we need to analyze our hearts sometimes and say, wow, I just said all that, that really nasty, evil garbage. What's in my heart at that time? Out of the abundance of my heart, I speak. If I'm speaking unloving, harsh words, I have a problem in my heart of, of love, a lack of love. If I constantly speak kind words and loving words, in my heart at that time is, is God working out of my heart. So this is not to be condemning, but you, we need to look at what am I saying, what am I saying to people? What am I saying about people? And that will tell us where our heart is. And the only way to change our heart is to be in his word and to hear God's word. And if you find yourself being unkind and, and ungrateful, then we need to get into God's word and say, God, I need a, I need a heart transplant right now. I need a, I need a little bit of a carving away of all this bad stuff. Put some new thoughts in my mind. And we've all know people, we all know this. We know, there's some people that we know they're just going to be angry and bitter and unloving. And it just tells us that what's in their heart is anger, bitterness, and unloving. And we know people that are mostly loving and kind. You know, and we know they're not always that way because nobody's always any, any way. But in general, we know this person's going to say good things. This is the person I want to talk to because they're going to make me feel good by, by the love they show. This person, I don't think I want to be around them. They're going to just speak things that I just don't like and it's what's in their heart. And it's been in my mind a lot. What are the words we speak? How do we represent Christ? You know, and I've seen this over and over. Am I showing a Christ to people that they want? Or when people look at the Christ in me, do they say, why do I want that? You know, why do I want that? They're as bitter and angry as anybody else I know, and they say they're a Christian. And they go, I don't want that. Or are we showing one that where the love of God builds people up, edifies? And I've shared this over and over in the restaurant industry, especially when, when all the chaos would come in and God would give me the strength to stay calm in the middle of it. People would ask me, well, how can you do this? Because of God. Gave me a great testimony to share with them. Not too many ever got saved by it, but I laid the seed in them. God is the strength in the middle of chaos. When we go through life and we go through sickness and death and we come out the other side having depended on God and being probably not cheerful in those things, but at least with peace and not crushed, people look at us and saying, there's something different about that person. And eventually they'll start saying, I want what that person has. I don't know what it is, but I want what allowed them to be peaceful, to be calm. When, every, when all the chaos was happening in their life. And it's very important for us to be that type of light in the middle of, a, of, the, of the storm, because that's what people are looking for. And again, it's just God working out of us. It's us being centered in him, being, him being our defense. The storm is crashing and breaking on him, and we're just walking through it. And, I, and I've shared with you many times, there's times in my life where I've, 
been knocked over by the sheer, you know, the smallest puff of wind, and, I, and I'm being blown about by, by nothing. And then there's other times when my eyes are on God, I'm hiding in him, and I'm walking through the middle of a storm, and I kind of look back over my life over the last month, month and a half, two months, I'm going, where was all that storm and wreckage back there? I don't, you know, and I got thinking about it, I'm going, oh yeah, that stuff was going on. But I was inside my shelter. I was inside the stone fortress, and the, and the storm beat upon God, and I was focused on him. But believe me, it doesn't always happen. And there's other times where I'm going along and my mind is focused on me and just a little problem hits me. I mean, compared to sometimes when I've walked with God through a huge storm, a little thing, and I find myself knocked over, I'm going, wow, what, what just happened? You know, and we need to be careful. Where is our mind focused? Where is our heart focused at? Are we hiding in Christ and, and resting in Christ and the finished work of Christ? Or am I trying to do it myself? If I'm trying to do it myself, I'm going to be in trouble. When I'm in Christ, it doesn't matter what comes at me. He is going to be the one that bears the burden of this storm. He says, my yoke is easy and light. Take it. He wants our troubles because he's already paid for them. He wants all of our troubles, all of our hardships. And we get people who go, well, I can handle this. No, we can't. We can't handle anything. Not correctly. We, take, we need to take his burden, which is light. It's nothing. Huh? We are wimps. We are wimps. In reality, we are wimps. The littlest thing can upset us. Why would they say that about me? I'm going to just leave God. Uh, you know, uh, man, I just can't believe this happened, God. You know, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to bless me and give me things because I'm yours. You know, why did, why did you let me get these four flat tires on the road on the way, on the way home? You know, I'm going to just quit you, God. You, you just cost me $300, $400. You know, uh, you know you're not protecting me. Uh, you know, but you see how easy, you know, how easy it can be when we're focused on ourselves. Any little thing can say, I give up, God. You're, you're not worth following. Our eyes are focused on him, and we don't even notice the problems because he's absorbing them. And sometimes everything can go wrong. You look at Job. Job had everything go wrong in his life, and he had a hard time. But his mind still stayed focused on God. His answer to his wife, can we accept the good from God and not all the evil? He had the right attitude. Yes, he got depressed. Yes, he had a hard time. And yes, he had a really hard time when his nice little friends came to comfort him. <laughs> you know, with all that accusation that you're, you're bad and you're evil and you must have done something to deserve all of this. And, you know, friends can sometimes be the worst thing that we can have in our life, you know, because they can really attack us when we're down. And that's not a Christian attitude. It's not a good place to be. We're supposed to edify, build up. But sometimes our friends can be really aggressive on, what did you do? Why, why, God, why is God allowing all this to happen to you? And you know, the sad thing is we're already thinking that. <laughs> what did I do, God, that is making all this happen to me? And God's saying, it's just a test. Do we deserve it? Bottom line, probably. <laughs> But it's not, we're not being punished for something we did in many times. It, it's just God testing us. And if we got what we deserved, it would be just what's happening to us. Because we don't deserve any blessing. And so we want to be careful with this. God knows our foolishness. He knows our sins. And David in verse seven, uh, 6 goes, Let not those that wait on you, Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek you be confounded for my sake, O God. 
Because for your sake, I am born, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. David understood that he had some problems. And his hope was that nobody would be shaken because of his mistakes. And this should be our prayer always. God, I'm praying that nobody's going to be led astray because of the things that I have done. And the sad thing is that prayer needs to be more and more for the higher you are and the more seen by people you are as a Christian, the more that prayer has to be in your life. As a pastor, I want this prayer to be part of my life. Lord, don't let any of my mistakes harm anybody in the church. And I guarantee you, I make mistakes just like everybody else. I pray that God keeps me away from big mistakes. But we all hear about it. The pastor that gets caught with an adultery because he's somehow thinks he's above the rules and everything. And, and it shakes up their whole church. And if they're and if they're big enough and have a great enough audience, it really shakes up their, their people. Jimmy Swagger, you know, just, just a decade ago or so, fell from a very high place, you know, very high profile pastor. Now he had great uh, conviction in his life and very, a great sorrow and he did con confess his sins and go forward and God is reestablishing him. But many people were hurt because of what he did because he had a huge uh, in, impact on people's lives. Scary thing is, as we start reaching out to more and more people in the world, that makes my place more visible. And I have to be careful that I don't fall into these things. And how will I do it? By staying in Christ. Staying in Christ, because any little thing can be a big impact. You know, and we want to be careful we want to be careful how we deal with all of this because God has put, put us there. And the higher profile place you have, the more Satan wants to get hold of you and drop you. Which is why when somebody falls that has got some kind of profile, has some impact in, in, a, in a church, in a community, we need to pray for them because they are damaging many more people than they realize. When we fall, we've got to be careful because others are looking at us. And the higher profile we have, God says that you need to keep your sins confessed or he will shout your sins from the housetop. The higher profile you are, your sins will be shouted to more people because they have to be. Because you've affected so many people and your sins will be shouted. Jimmy Swaggart, a national televangelist, his sin was shouted to the whole world. Now, you want to talk about embarrassment. It's bad enough that you're being embarrassed by your church or in your city. But because of his high profile, his sin was shouted to the world. And we want to be careful about that. You know, if you've got a high profile place in here in chloride and you sin and you totally, totally shame God, your sin is going to be shouted to all of chloride. You know, if you're a high stakes... Then God will deal with it. God will deal with it. This comes down to God being our defense. God being our defense. The, the truth will always come out. The truth will always come out. It may not come out as fast as we would like it to, but the truth will come out. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us and your care for us. And ask you, Lord, put into us a heart of love, heart of compassion that is your heart for people.
that we will be able to forbear, give up the right to demand the punishment when we are legitimately hurt. And we just thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.